there and welcome to the latest edition of the Jersey Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast, which is brought to you by fans for fans and where the content is absolutely free. It is episode 174 of the flagship uh, Jersey Podcast. I'm your host tonight, I'm Colin Armstrong. As I say every week, guys, it's not just the pod we've got here, uh, we've got the website, forums, articles, all that sort of stuff available, history archive on the website as well, so get yourself on there if you can. If you like what we're doing here at Jersnet, then, then please uh, subscribe at the YouTube channel, put the word out there on social media, all that kind of stuff. Uh, before I get on and introduce my guests, I have to mention uh, our partners at Zenith Coins, who are doing a limited edition uh, coin collection set uh, commemorating Rangers' 150th anniversary. Uh, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to celebrate the 150th anniversary by owning this limited edition historic Rangers coin collection. Uh, there are five iconic milestones in the collection, uh, which is the, founder, uh, the Founding Fathers, Ibrook Stadium, the Cup Winners Cup one in 1972, uh, nine in a row and 55 league titles. Uh, as I've said to you previously, guys, these have been released in small batches, some are out, some are still to come. If you're looking for more information on that, please visit www.zenithcoins.com. Uh, right, time to bring in my guests. We've had a bit of a, we've had a, bit of a mix up, uh, myself and Frankie. Uh, Joshua Barry from the Rangers Review was supposed to be joining us tonight, but uh, we, we scheduled him in, but none of us told him that he was appearing on the show. So he was a bit surprised when he, he, he was copied in today promoting the show. He was like, uh, no one's told me. So... He's unavailable, so uh, we've, we've, we've lined up a substitute. But first of all, we'll bring in uh, Chris Jack from the Glasgow Times. How are you doing, Chris? Not too bad. I am the, the sole Herald Times representative this evening. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, it, it, was, it, it felt uh, like it was going to be quite an iconic night. It was like the, the two pros and a rank amateur and myself, you know what I mean? But we're back to the two rank amateurs and just yourself as a pro, Chris. That's quite all right. I can fly the flag just fine. <laughs> uh, and how, uh, what did you make it today and, and, and how have you been since you've last been on? I've not spoken to you for a while. No, it's been a, been a few weeks. It's been a, an interesting few weeks. Um, in terms of this week, it's been a fairly busy one. I was out in uh, Belgrade on Thursday night. I got back Friday evening up to Dens Park today. Um, three, three points up the road, I think, is how you can best describe yeah, it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Come on, to the, uh, come on to the talking points later on, but it is just a win at all costs for Rangers right now. It's probably eight, eight wins to win the title. It's now seven wins to win the title. So if we're sitting here in a couple of weeks and they've got those seven wins, how they how they get over the line doesn't really matter, I suppose. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if my heart can take much more of this. Thing, but anyway, uh, I'll bring in another guest uh, who stepped in at the last minute, which is Dougie Kinnear. Hi, Dougie. And thanks for stepping in so manfully at the last minute. No problem. Um, yeah, I'm fairly happy. Um, we had a season-saving moment today and a weekend-saving moment, so we can sit here with smiles on our face for the podcast. Yeah, uh, it was looking grim for long stages on it. I was, I was just, I, I never even there was there was two very interesting moments today actually, which kind of represented how bad things were. When we got the penalty award, I didn't celebrate it because I just had a feeling we were we were going to miss it. And uh, and even when the equaliser went in, I was a bit like. Mm. No, it wasn't until the winner and that my arse came off the couch and the relief uh, just just sort of hit me. So yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I think second half we'll come on and discuss. I think second half we deserved it, but uh, it's 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 a grind now domestically. It's a grind. I mean, obviously in Europe it's a joy, uh, but domestically it's a grind. Right, guys, we'll, we'll get on to that grind. Uh, Chris, I'll, I'll come back to you. I mean, it, it is a huge result. There's no there's no denying that. You know, a, a, a huge result today. Uh, given you know Celtic won yesterday, went six points clear. We're, we're, we're approaching the international break. I think it was essential that we, we went into this coming out this sort of run of games 
the, the, the points gap down to three and it sets us up to, you know, the players are going international duty, some will have a wee rest and then we regroup and we get ready for Celtic in early April. It really just was a must win for Rangers today. I, yeah. I don't think they're at the stage of the season where drop points cost us the title. I don't think if they had uh, dropped a couple today, you could have said it's definitely finished. There's easily still twists and turns to come. Also, the two old firm games still to come as well. But I think in terms of the momentum after the higher Thursday night, going to Dens, dropping a couple of points on the back of your Motherwell's, your Ross Counties, your Tannadice, the old firm defeat, it would have fed into the narrative that Rangers have bottled it in the second half of the season uh, once again perhaps and there's uh, been real questions uh, domestically over over this side they had to go up there find a, find a way to win um, it wasn't pretty it wasn't very good for, for long spells of it but as I said if if come the end of May the players are holding something shiny with red, white and blue ribbons on it days like that are how you win titles and days like that won't be remembered that fondly but that played a huge part in getting Rangers over the line. Absolutely. <clears throat> uh, Dougie, uh, four changes named in, in the team today for, for Thursday night. Uh, Hollander came in, Sands in, Arfield uh, and Aaron Ramsey. They all came in and played Leah Bargain, Ryan Jack, Aribo and Glenn Kamara. I must admit, I was a wee bit surprised with the team. I, I think especially you know, the likes of Jack, Aribo and Kamara taking all of them out of the team. I, I was a wee bit surprised. And uh, it, it maybe showed in that first half performance because uh, you know it really was it was pretty poor. Yeah, come on, I, I'm the same. Um, I was surprised to see the four changes because we're heading into an international break. The players are on the high of Thursday night. Um, they should have enough energy to get through the the ninety minutes against Dundee. Um, the two players I probably wasn't surprised to see in the starting eleven was Hillander, who. Um, I feel right now we're rotating Hollander and Balligan between Europe and domestic. Um, obviously, Hollander, we can't register for any future rounds of the Europa League, so I think we'll continue to, to rotate those two. Um, and Ramsey, I think Ramsey has has said midweek that he is fit and really keen to play football. Um, I know we're going to come on and talk about individual performances. I think, I think he performed well, and I think he repaid the faith of the manager. Um, but as you say, I was a bit surprised by some of the others, and I think substitutions were key today, but in my opinion, I don't think we should have went to, to Dens Park and played two defensive midfielders. When you've got Lundstrom in there, I wouldn't have been partnering um, Sands alongside him. And I think I think we, certainly first half, lacked a bit of creativity. Um, and I, I continue to go on about that right-hand side. You know, we had Aaron Ramsey at right wing. Right wing's a problem position, and it seems even our January recruit, Ahmed Diallo, hasn't solved the problem of right wing, and, and therefore we... We look like a team who today, certainly first half, didn't look like we're going to uh, create and score a lot of goals in the first half. Hey, Chris, the, the, I mean, the, I mean, the first half was really bad. You know, it's, it's probably I think I've said this too many times this season, but it's as poor a performance as I can remember. Uh, and and you know, we go one down, sort of five six minutes. Uh, Chris Elliott, a really really poor goal to concede. I think I don't think we set up well at the throw in. I think Ramsey can can cut out the cross. I, I, I don't think he covers himself in glory. A lot of people questioning McGregor. I'm not quite so sure about that. I thought it was a decent ball in, but I'm really questioning when our centre half club when the ball came out of the box and why it was Ryan Kent that was, that was challenging earlier rather than Goldson or Orlando. So, I, you know, a team that doesn't score a huge amount of goals, Dundee, and so to go do, down 
you know, after six minutes, a really, really poor start and a really poor goal to, to concede. Dundee had one like that maybe two, two three minutes later. They're also targeted if they can get down that side. Because the Elliott is, is good in there. They've also targeted if they can get down that side and get balls into the box. It can cause Rangers, it cause Rangers problems. Like you, I'm not quite sure where the centre-halves were, but I know where they were. Phil Hollander was on top of James Tavernier and Golson was caught in no man's land. The fact that it's Ryan Kent that's tracking Elliott into the box, that's, that's just not good enough. That, that's, that's basic stuff. That, that early on in the game, it's about doing doing the basics, getting through any any momentum that Dundee want to try and build up um, uh, in those opening exchanges. Do, doing your job right, defending your box properly. Rangers just didn't do that early on. Um, they also got away with it. Apart from the goal, uh, two or three crosses that came in, it's not as if they were under huge amounts of pressure. Dundee created very little, certainly didn't create enough to, to take anything from the game. Um, but I think that those instances do highlight there is still a, a fragility about Rangers at the back, unfortunately. It was the same on, on, on Thursday night, Chris. You know, the, the goal that we conceded, it goes into the sort of six-yard box. <clears throat> I've noticed this recently, Morelos has sort of placed straight in front of McGregor to, to sort of clear headers. But as that ball came into the box on Thursday, no sign of, of, of Balogun or, or, or Goldson. You know, you're just like, where, where are they? And I, and I felt that again today. You know, basic, basic stuff. And, and McGregor, do you think he's got any blame in it? Or do you think it's just a, 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 a you know, a sort of, Inch perfect cross that, that, that is taking McGregor out of uh, the thing altogether. I don't think you could point the finger of blame at him. I think he can maybe have done a bit better, but we see the that, that that flight of the ball. It does just seem to go up and can look over him. And I think if he if he tries to to go for it, there's no guarantee he's going to get it. I think he's entitled to expect one the cross to be stopped at source and for that ball not to be able to put in, and two expect one of his centre halves or or the left back. To be dealing with it once it's once it's in there. I think when when somebody scores from a couple of yards out with a header, you're always liable to say, "Well, why did the keeper not come for it?" But I think it just just the flight of the ball, uh, certainly on on a couple of viewings that I've seen of it. Um, I think the flight of the ball probably just deceives me a wee bit, and be loath to say it was definitely a a clear and obvious uh, error from him. No, I, I, I'm with you. I don't think it was. I, I, I think it was a really good cross. Uh, I mean, I think he's deserved some of the criticism he's, he's, he's had this season, but I, I, I certainly wouldn't hold him uh, to account for that one. Dougie, I mean, after after we go one down, you're expecting the reaction. <coughs> but again, as, as has been the case too often this season, uh, you know, very sort of slow, uh, tempo wasn't great, you know, struggling to break the team down. We certainly struggled to, to adapt to that pitch. You know, the ball was was bouncing up a lot and players, especially down that left-hand side, I felt in the first half. I don't know how many times the ball went out to Bassey and just as he's about to take a touch, it bounces over him. So really, really poor. I think we, we created like three chances all the first half, none of which were on target. And you just kind of got a feeling at that point that it's 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 going to be one of those days. The pitch is really poor. Um, Goldson referenced it in the post-match interview. But for me, you can't, make excuses around around the pitch. Um, there's two teams playing. One team was able to score um, very early on. And although um, ball players, particularly Bassey, were running with the ball or Ryan Kent and that side who, who like to dribble, um, they're always going to suffer on a pitch like that. But um, we should still have the quality on the pitch to, to, to be able to outplay a bad surface. And I, and I go back to what I said earlier on. I think we just weren't set up. Um, with the right team to start with and hindsight's a great thing because a, a number of those players 
started the cup game against Dundee at Dens Park and obviously impressed uh, and probably deserved to retain their place. But I, I think I think the team was wrong. Um, but I think the most important thing was the mentality. I, I don't think we looked bang up for it from kickoff. I think it looked like we expected to turn up and get the three points. And I think it took us to get in at half time and most likely a rollicking. Um, hopefully from the manager, hopefully from the senior figures who were credited um, by the manager, by Tav, um, in, his, in the post-match press conference. Press conferences, hopefully there was that rocket lit up them because we did see a much improved second half. Yeah, and I mean, on the attitude, it's, I mean, it's, it's been like that a few times this season. That, and I, I was sitting today wondering, is it, is it the manager? Is it the players? What, what causes this sort of lethargy? You know what I mean? And I, I can't quite put my finger on it. it take, and I'm noticing it's happening a lot after the, the European ties, especially away ties. But they're still, you know, when you take everything into consideration, the pitch, the fact that we're, we're playing in Europe on Thursday night, you know, we're fit to travel back from Belgrade. Even taking those things into consideration, it, it really was like a, a shockingly bad performance, you know, and the, as I said, they weren't adapting to the pitch. And, and even the fact that they continue to try the same things, you're like, well, you know what, guys, it's not working. The ball's, you know, the pitch is too bobbly. Mix it up a wee bit, go a wee bit more direct, try and just change things up a wee bit. But it seems to me that they were just stuck in this mentality of just, you know, stick with plan A, just keep going, keep going. And, and I was getting so frustrated in that first half. Yeah, I agree. Um, you, you, know, you mentioned plan A there. Plan B is obviously the long ball. Um, there was such a big gap between Morelos and the rest of the team. He looked very isolated up there. And I don't know whether that's because Dundee were dominating the possession at that point, but we seemed to be very deep. Um, and any long balls that would be going up, they'd be going up to a, a very isolated figure in Morelos, I think. Again, we'll come on to the subs. I think Roof certainly added a different dimension, having another player. Um, in that six-yard box and, and up front, he, for me, was the difference when he came on the pitch. Chris, we nearly got a sort of get-out-of-jail-free card uh, towards the end of the first half. A uh, penalty awarded for a, a foul by Jordan McGee on uh, Alfredo Morelos, a tug of the shirt. Now, there's two things uh, about this, and I, I think we're going to go down this age-old discussion of the referee in, in this country, the, the standard of the referee in this country is just not good enough because there's two elements to this and I think you get, I think Madden gets them both wrong. One, I don't think it's a penalty. I think it's very soft. I think we get a bit of work for that one. But two, if it is a penalty, then McGee's not made any attempt to play the ball and so by the rule book, that, that's a red card. So two decisions to make and in my opinion, they got them both wrong. At first viewing, um, we also up the uh, back of the main stand. Uh, we sitting right at the back of the uh, press area there. I had no idea what you're giving it for. The ref blows, points to the spot, and all the boys just kind of looked at each other as if to say, "Well, what's what's they giving it for?" So I saw the replay on a on a laptop, and so it's obviously for a, a shot pull. I just thought it was really soft. I think any any other time, um, nine times out of ten, those those don't get, get given. If that's given against your team, if that's given against Rangers, we're going absolutely mental and saying that's that's never a penalty. I just don't don't see it clearly. Um, Bobby thought he, he saw something. I, I just don't see how that's a. That's a penalty. I think if you're going by letter of the law, yes, he did have a handful of his shot. I think Morelos had his arm around uh, Jordan McGee as well. Yeah, I think it's why he, he just kind of let it go. If he had let it go, 
I don't think Gio would have been getting asked about it post-match on, on Sky. I don't think we'd have been sitting here tonight crying foul, saying why were Rangers denied a stonewall penalty? That's a penalty, yeah. Nah, it would have gone into a nothing incident. Nobody would have remembered it. Nobody would have made a, any, any big deal about it. So I think I right, Con. I think he got both both things wrong. If he awards one, has to award the second one. I said, I thought, like you, I think he got both goals wrong there. Um, I thought overall performance was fine. Nothing else major stands out from it. Um, but no, I think he, I think he got those ones wrong. Was Bobby Madden the referee that day at Tanadice when he never gave the the pull on the shot? He was calling and Sakala. That, that's that, you, you just wonder and, and if, if, if that's yeah, if that's if that's maybe had a, a, an influence. Uh, on, on the penalty, Chris, uh, you know, Tavernier's been 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 excellent, but uh, on such a bobbly pitch, he maybe didn't need to be so, so close to the corner this time. No, I don't get why you don't just roll it straight down the middle yeah. and take your chances almost, because any any bounce and bobble and deflects on off, off that surface has a potential to beat the keeper. You can see what he's trying to do. He's also got this new technique of trying to get them high with a bit of whip on it and a bit of speed on it. Um, the last couple of stakes could have have obviously worked. Um, and the last couple of stages have been have been impressive. He got that one wrong. Probably not the probably not the day for it. Not the pitch for it. I think he said himself after the game he's, he's going to lean back a wee bit too much on it. Clearly not got it right. Um, but like you said earlier on, I had no real faith he was actually going to stick it. Despite no. how, how good the last couple have been, um, how good overall he's, he's obviously missed a few. But overall, his record is very impressive. For some reason, just about how how the day has had gone, how the first half had gone. Just had no real, no real faith he was going to yeah. go and stick it away. So when I saw it flying into the in the stand behind the goal, um, it wasn't a massive surprise, unfortunately. I, I don't think anyone had much conviction. You know what it felt like to me? Do you remember that game in two thousand and three? I think we drew three up, three each up, up at Dundee, and we missed we missed a couple of penalties that day. But I think Barry Ferguson missed two, and Arteta scored a third. You know, I had that kind of feeling. The minute we got the penalty award, I just I was thinking, nah, I, I just don't think he's going to score. Overstating us, it just feels like it's going to be one of those days. And and sure enough, he, he sort of you know he's knocked it over the bar. Uh, Dougie, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Half time, you know, I think we did. I mean, Gio's had some criticism in the past for not making substitutions. Some of it probably warranted. You know, he's made. Uh, a few changes at half time today, you know, Hollander off, Arfield off, he's brought Aribo and and, uh, and Fashion Sakala on. And pretty much from the word go, you started to see a change in terms of the performance. You know, we had a wee bit more urgency about it as we started to create chances and it, and it seemed that the change worked. See, just before we go into the changes, I, I, I just seen a comment um, on YouTube there calling around Tav as a penalty taker. Um, somebody's made a suggestion that Tav should not be on the next penalty. Um, before I go to the next point, I just want to say I think Tav got the penalty wrong. I agree with, with Chris. Um, it was a wrong decision to go high in that pitch, but Tav takes the next penalty for me 100%. His penalties in crucial games and really pressure moments for me have been first class, particularly the Dortmund one. Tav takes the next penalty no matter what. I just hope that's not in his mind. Um, sometimes with footballers, um, things like that can stick in your head. Um, and I hope next time he... As Chris said, he's had a lot of success going high um, with the penalties. Hopefully next time he doesn't have that in his head and he can fluff his, his kick. Um, but from a sub perspective, um, the two players sub were no surprise to me. I thought Hillander and Arfield actually had very poor first halves. Hillander in particular looked very, very rusty. Um, I, I mentioned earlier on that him and Balligan seem to be rotating between Europe and domestic. Um, 
I seem to remember Hollander having another pretty horrific performance um, for us and being whipped off as well. Um, so it's important that Hollander gets himself up to speed during this international break. Um, Tav spoke about players staying behind and will put in the, the hours in training. Hopefully Hollander's one of them because he looked really rusty. Um, Arfield, um, very disappointing performance from Arfield. Um, don't know, it just didn't work for him today. And I don't know whether it was just um, the the way the first half went, the, the, the way the tactics was, etc. Um, but it wasn't working for our field. And as you say, when Aribo and Sakala came on, they made a huge difference. And I don't think it was necessarily about them as individuals, because I think Sakala actually wasn't at his best. Um, Sakala, at times, was, was fairly um, clumsy in possession. Again, the surface is going to play a huge factor in that. But I think the biggest thing for Aribo and Sakala was they were... They were the right players in the right positions. Um, they, they took us up the pitch and I think that was a big difference. And overall, I think Gio deserves huge credit for the subs that he's made. Yeah, Chris, I mean, it did feel like uh, there was a change in momentum in the, in the second half and, and the, the equaliser comes, was it 64 minutes? I think it came. And it had been coming, you know, we'd, we'd had a few chances, keeper had a save. I think Aaron Ramsey had a header as well. Uh, which the, the keeper had a, a good save from. So it felt it was coming, you know, I think it was Tavernier, ball with the back post, uh, back post, sorry, Roofs came in, he's, he's he's not long on the pitch, I think he was just on a minute or two, he's had a wee header, keeper saved it, and Aaron Ramsey's first goal for the club, uh, and I agree with, with Dougie, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he was outstanding today, but I think he'd done enough to show, you know, that he, it, it, I'm, I, I can't wait to see him at Ibrox, I think on a big pitch or surface like that, he'll, he'll, he'll be a huge player, but, Big goal for him, first goal for the club, got us back in the match and a, a, a big moment in the game, a turning point in the game. I think he deserved his goal today. Like, <coughs> if he'd been hooked at half-time, uh, much like almost everyone on, on the pitch, I don't think they could have had any any complaints because the first yeah, yeah. match was that, was that poor. If Gio had said, it's you and you, nobody could have put their hands up and said, no, I've, I've done this, I deserve to stay on. Uh, but I thought Ramsey was a fairly decent second half. I think it's weird because you're, you're comparing them to what we think he should be, not actually where he is in terms of fitness and fit and fitting the team. We've all got this expectation of where we think Aaron Ramsey should be at in terms of his level. I, I don't think he has lived up to the hype over the next few weeks. He's got a chance to though, because there, there is spots in that team that he can get and fill in. I don't think wide right is the perfect fit for him. I think he could go in there and do a and do a job. Um I thought he showed a, a number of nice touches. A couple of crosses. I think Morelos came close with one. Um, I can't remember if it was after the after the first goal or just before it. Ramsey, nice turn on the right hand side and put a ball in. And I'd, I think the one thing you could say for him, he never had. I think he was always. Yeah. I think he was always looking for it. He knows there is this pressure and expectation on him. He's. I think he's. He's the type of guy that will put that pressure and expectation on on himself. I don't think he looked like the type of guy that was willing just to, to take the easy pass and stroll about Dens Park for the afternoon, jump in the car and go up the road. I think he does care. I think he does get the club. He understands why he's why he's here. Um, as I, th- I think you could see that in his, his second half. Even when things perhaps weren't going that well for him, he was always trying to get in the right position. He was always trying to be a threat, always trying to be positive. Um, I think he can be fairly not, not delighted with his, his, his day, but I think it, it could be a big afternoon for him to to put in a, a fairly dogged uh, second half performance and and get his goal that ultimately helped Rangers uh, go and win the game. I, I think we saw a wee sign as well. You know, 
of what you talk about is, is where Aaron Ramsey is at the moment because you know he, he didn't have a great first half as you say he, 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 he done some really good stuff in the second half you know we glimpses and as you say he's got that, that, that sort of professional pride that he wants to contribute but I also think towards the end he did look tired you know you could see that his fitness levels aren't where, where they should be for, for, for a player of, of his sort of stature so that to me there's still a lot of work to be done in terms of getting minutes in his legs Time is of the essence though unfortunately no. yeah. seen this to guys for a long time he really had to come in and hit the ground running um, that's obviously not happened just by how injuries and uh, form and, and fitness has, has played out for him Um even if Rangers go and win the league, I'm not convinced he'll be able to say come the end of the season that Ramsey has been a, a master stroke of a signing unless he goes and does something extraordinary over the next seven league games. But if he scores the winner at Ibrox against Celtic and scores the winner against Celtic at Parkhead, it's money well spent, I suppose. So I think and if he gets the winning goal in the UEFA Cup final as well, you know. Well, like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe, is he not playing the Scottish Cup final now? <laughs> <laughs> Nah, we'll, 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 I'll let Sakala, Sakala get the win on that one. We'll, we'll give the big ones to Ramsey. Been a race by that stage anyway. <laughs> uh, Dougie, coming back to yourself, uh, you'd sort of mentioned Kimar Ruth there. I mean, my mate is, is constantly on the WhatsApp saying, how can this guy know, not, not, you know, not get a starting place? Uh, I, I think I came up with a start a couple of weeks ago in the preview show with uh, Alex that he is the most efficient striker in terms of games played and the amount of goals that he scored you know he, 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 he's got a shorter goals per minute sort of start than, than Morelos but Morelos has that overall you know he bullies defenders all that kind of thing he's more robust and obviously Ruth is you know he's, he's injury prone you know you, you just can't keep him on the park but he has came up with some key moments of, of late obviously he came off the bench against Aberdeen got a late winner he came off the bench today and within as I said within a minute two minutes of him coming on the park uh, We've got the equaliser, and he was heavily involved in the, in the second goal, which we'll, we'll, we'll come on and talk about. So, you know, is he chapping at the door? Should he be getting a starting place, or do you think he's been used very wisely and cleverly by by Van Bronckhorst? As in, when things aren't going well, getting this guy on, he'll, he'll, he'll get us out of hope. I think he's a victim of the new system under Gio. Um, Gio likes to have two out and out winners on either side of Morelos. Um, and I say Morelos because Morelos is so key to everything about our play, not just putting the ball in the net. Um, Morelos, when you watch him, his hold-up play is second to none. He, you know, he's, he's a figurehead of everything that we do. And Roof's just a completely different player. Roof's a player that likes to kind of be in the penalty box or run in behind. Um, and that's not what um, Gio wants from his centre-forward by the looks of it. When he's got the two wingers, he wants Morelos to bring it into his himself and then play it out wide to, to one of the wingers um, and that's the key for me um, Gerard played him as a as a 10 uh, an inverted uh, number 10 on the right hand side it doesn't look like Gio's going to play him there he, he looks like if he's going to be playing from the start it would be in, instead of Morelos um, but I think Roof's got a huge role to play in fact I think a lot of the squad players have got a huge role to play between now and the end of the season um, our April's mental um, the fixture list is crazy but I wouldn't have it any other way um, it's a sign of a good and successful team and it's what Rangers strive to to have is a fixture congestion because we're in and competing for three pieces of silverware um, but Roof's going to be key in those moments because one we're going to have to rest Morelos um, Morelos can't play 90 minutes of every game especially if he travels to Colombia and I'm, I'm kind of hoping that 
as as ice packing as as calf today was for the cameras so that he can explain to Colombia that he's unfit and can't travel. <laughs> um, but there's going to be games where Morelos is going to need to rest. Ruth will be the replacement for him. But it's games like today. It's games like today that Ruth's key where you just need to um, load the box. Um, Ruth's the type of player that will hang around the six-yard box. And you've seen it with the, with the first goal for Ramsey. Um, he was involved within minutes of coming on. It's his header. It's his movement that creates that goal. Um, he was key today and I think you look at today as a as a benchmark this is the kind of game that Roof is going to be key um, the games that we're struggling to win struggling to break teams down I think Roof's the type of player um, that will be able to to help out in that final third with the the numbers that you've spoken about Colin he's, he, he's a player that contributes to the final third with, with his goals and with his assists but I'll finish with just calling out one player that we are really missing just now. Um, and I think it's going to be a bit unnoticed and nobody's really mentioning Yanis Hadji. Um, but I think there's, there's there's certain games as well that we miss um, that creativity, that cutting edge. And whilst you've got guys like Aribo who have been massively off form since African Cup of Nations, Gerard, eh, Gio doesn't look like he's trusting Scott Wright. Um, I think Hadji would have been the player on the right-hand side today. And I think he'd have been the player who can unlock defences. I think we're massively missing Hadji. Um, Braga will be certainly happy that we're missing Hadji. Um, but I think it's important to call out that we're missing players like Hadji right now, but we're going to need guys like Roof to step up in the the business end of the season. Um, I heard Chris earlier on talking about seven cup finals. Goldson referred to the seven cup finals. I'm just happy the seven cup finals are not being played at Hamden. Yeah, we'll come on and talk about those seven cup finals. Uh, but first of all, Chris, we'll talk about the winner. Uh, and Ruth, as, as, as we've said, you know, heavily involved again. Really nice move. And it, it, was, it came only like a couple of minutes after uh, the Gio the would basically say to Goldson, right, up you go, get up the park. Nice wee dummy for Goldson. And, you know, he's done well there. And Ruth's tried to get the shot away. And I saw I saw a good tweet today saying about, about Connor Goldson's finish. He says it's, it's the most Scott Arfield goal that, that wasn't scored by Scott Arfield and I, I think it did have that about it you know he's just just sort of lifted it on its way over the keeper a nice sort of clever cute finish and a, a vital goal considering you know it got us three points and got us over the line How many times have we seen Scott Arfield try that type of finish this season and not not come off I actually yeah. saw that tweet earlier on and liked it as well um, I, I did have a very Scott Arfield uh, Scott Arfield uh, vibe about it but it didn't matter who scored it or how it, how it got scored. I think you could tell by the you could tell by the celebrations by the guys uh, going to the uh, going to the corner flag and Gio having making his fist pump and a, a brief uh, burst along the Dutch line. You could tell how much that that goal meant. Um, just a huge, huge, huge moment. And, and come come the end of the season, it could be one of the ultimately defining moments. And as I said, I don't I don't think two points dropped today would have been fatal in terms of the. Of the title challenge, but it would have been a real, a real setback. Um, I, I think no matter McGee said after afterwards that he felt it was almost inevitable. I think he knew that the Dior had been penned in. He knew that the Rangers would get one more chance. Ultimately, it felt the goals, and I thought he finished it really well. Should yeah, 
there's a real composure and a striker's instinct that we didn't actually know he had until this season. He actually came close to one earlier on in the first half as well, and he's got turned and uh, swiveling shot. So he clearly, I actually think, I actually think he should have scored that. That was a good I, chance, I thought. Yeah. yeah. So he, he clearly has that that threat in him. Um, actually, no, no matter who scored it, Ranger just needed the goal. Um, and as I said right at the start, I don't think MD could argue that we deserve not to win that game. There was dominant throughout had most of the chances most of the possession as poor as we were for four stages Rangers were worthy winners of, of that game today and that's Mark McGee basically admitted that after the after the game as well so uh, not a big a big moment It takes a lot for Mark McGee to give Rangers any credit so it must have been true uh, and, and, and the second week in a row he scored at, at Dens Park and his finish last week was decent as well I, I genuinely do I think that was a it was almost like a striker's finish. I think there's every chance a defender in that situation just lashes at it to try and, you know, poof it home and skies over the bar. I, I thought he took it very, very well, I have to say. If it had been if it had been Tav in that position, you'd have fancied him to score it. If it had been Hollander or Calvin Bassey, you'd have fancied him to stick it in the stand and be over yeah. the target. I think out, out the back four, you'd back Tav to hit the, the target and you'd back goals into the target. So I thought he did finish it really well. Um, you talk about like big players and leaders and big figures in the dressing room stepping up in, in vital moments. That that is Conor Goldson. He, he knew the team needed something special. Somebody had to emerge from the pack with a moment. Ramsey got his moment and Goldson deserved his moment of it as well. Hey, now on to matters off the park. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with you the, the now, Chris, and I'll, I'll bring Dougie in uh, to get his views on it. Uh, seven minutes of injury time in the end of the second half. Uh, partially down to you know there was there was a few subs obviously <laughs> there was incident with the, the, the sprinklers which was utterly bizarre uh, I think the last time I remember a sprinkler having a, an involvement in a game it was with Richard Goff playing for Scotland he went, he went ahead in a ball and it had a sprinkler and he misjudged it and the team ran on to score but two or three of those minutes would have been due to the, the you know the, the protests from the, the supporters. You know, we had the tennis balls on the park, we had the sort of toilet rolls on the park, we had two similar incidents in the first half, uh, where they were protesting against this, you know, this this friendly in Australia, which I think we can all agree is is a bad idea and the club have, have totally misread how how the supporters feel about it. But I mean, I'll always defend people's right to protest and I, and I agree with the, the supporters who don't want this friendly to happen. But I must admit, I was getting a bit peeved with the game getting stopped and started, especially in the second half when they were trying to build a bit of momentum. And, you know, and it happened again. And I think you've seen Alan McGregor's reaction, you know, and you can clearly see him mouthing something that you don't need to be a lip breather to understand what he's, he's saying about the supporters. So it would be good to get your views on this because, again, I, I'll defend anybody's right to protest, but to me, it should be against the club. I don't think we should be doing things that hinders the players, especially on a day like today when we were struggling. You know, it, it, there was no momentum in the game, and, and we're killing the momentum. The supporters are killing the momentum even more by, you know, the tennis balls and the, the toilet rolls and all that stuff. No, I have to agree, Colin. I thought the I thought the first one was fine. I thought the the chants that we've all heard, and there's supposed to be a couple of banners now. I thought the banner and, and the chants were all, all fair game. Um, they obviously want to do something a bit a bit more meaningful in terms of stopping the game and take, well, making people sit up and take notice of a point. First protest I thought was fine. Second half I just thought it was a bit silly. You've 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 gone. You made your point. It's going to be talked about. It's going to be written about. It's going to get coverage. The board have all seen it. They know exactly how you feel. 
you don't need to then interrupt the flow of the game and hinder the, and hinder the team. I think you saw McGregor mouthing off, you saw Golson going and turning on what's, what's going on here. Uh, I don't think Gio was overly impressed either. He was diplomatic as he always is after the game. Rangers had dropped a couple of points today. Players then just use that type of thing. Like we're talking about the pitch and the travel earlier on, players can use that as an excuse. But there's there's no excuses for not beating Dundee and the fans can't afford to give teams or to give the team an excuse for not beating Dundee. Um, it was just a bit just a bit silly. So I fully support their stance. The friendly shouldn't be happening. The club have made a complete mess of it in every every aspect from the communication of it to signing up to it to how it's been handled post uh, post the announcement. Every, every aspect of it is poor. If they end up backing out of it and it ends up costing themselves money over it, for me it becomes a sacking issue or a resignation issue at, at a number of levels. But I don't think the fans are helping their helping the cause with doing things like that in the second half by all means have the banners we've seen at Ibrox and up at, up at um, McDermott Park and the ones today have, have your chance make, make your feelings heard because that's the only way the board are going to sit up and take notice the fans have to let people know how they feel um, but with eight games to go and such a huge title race don't do anything that's going to uh, potentially cost the team uh, uh, three points on the day Dougie how do you feel about this because <clears throat> again <clears throat> I'll defend anybody's right to protest. And I agree with the with, with the sentiment. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't agree with us friendly at all. I think the club, as, as I say to Chris there, have totally uh, misread the, the sort of feeling, the, the strength of feeling in us where, where the supporters are concerned. <clears throat> but I didn't, I, I really didn't enjoy that today. I didn't enjoy the, the songbook last week. I, I, again, I, I don't think that helps anyone. Uh, I, I didn't enjoy the protest today. To me, if, 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 if the support wanted make their voices heard. You, you hurt the club where it, where it hurts the most and that's in the pocket. So cancel your MyJers. Don't buy shirts from Castor. You know, if you, if you feel that bad, don't go to the games. You know, hit them where it hurts. But don't, don't interrupt a game and, and, and hurt the team. You know, that that's that's my point. Yeah, i just seen one person comment in the chat there, Colin, that uh, the away fans were embarrassing today. Um, between the disruptions to the the flow of the game and the naughty songs, um, it doesn't reflect well on the club. Um, I agree with what you and Chris have said around um, around the protest. Um, listen, we're all we've all spoken against um, our involvement in Angie's homecoming tour, um, but there is a time and a place for for protesting against off-field matters, and um, those time and a place is not during a a must-win game. You could see it disrupted our performance. Um, and possibly our concentration, particularly um, after the second half. Um, I think, you know, as you called out, first one you can maybe understand, but we wanted to just get going. Second half, we had that momentum that we were trying to build and it, and it, and it disrupted us. Um, the club have got this massively wrong, but we've got a league to win. And I just wish that the players, that, that the fans now recognise that. They take a step back and, and they... They take their frustrations and their protests elsewhere and allow the players to focus on the task at hand and that's winning football matches. So Chris, where do you think this is, where the situation is now? Because it does seem to be that there's a, a sort of widening gap between the, the, the club and the fan base. And, you know, we have, to, we have to be careful here not to hammer the supporters too much because, you know, I mean, a lot of the, the, the comments today in social media were sort of aiming this at, the Union Bears. I'm not entirely sure if it was them that were behind that. I, I can't really comment. 
Well, there's things that the union bears do that I, I, I can't say that I'm overly impressed with. But on the flip side, when you look at what they've done for you know the the, the celebration, the 150 celebration against Aberdeen, the effort and the work those guys put in, you would have to argue that they've done more than the club themselves. You know what I mean? What the Rangers done for that day was, was pretty poor, I thought. Uh, so um, where does where does this leave the sort of relationship between the, the fan base and and the board? Because it does seem that. It felt for a while there that there was a, a bit of harmony between the support and and, and the, the, the sort of people that are in charge of the club at the moment. For the first time in a long time, it feels like there's cracks appearing now. You know that there's a lot of people being very very critical, eh, especially sort of Stuart Robertson. I think it, it leaves the board in a really tricky position now because if if they stick with it, it's that that gap that you speak about is only going to widen. If, if they stick with it and it's heading this and stuff and they try and force it through, and Rangers ultimately do go to Australia, they stand accused of not listening to the customers, not, not listening to the fans, not listening to people that pay the wages. If they somehow find a way out of it, and it ends up costing the club money, they stand accused of negligence, and why did they get themselves in that position in the first place? Yeah, in the first place, yeah. If they then somehow find a way out of it, it looks as if they've kowtowed to the fans that have protested, that have sang, sang songs that we all don't agree with, that have done those protests today there's almost a no-win situation for the board now um, and at, at the heart but, of, but that's of their own doing though sure. exactly, I, I just like to say at, at the heart of it they've made a complete mess of the whole thing they should have known I, I made this point uh, uh, after the uh, friendly actually got announced or the uh, uh, tournament actually got announced it's guys that should know better if Rangers were run by some madcap American or an Italian guy that had only just arrived they had no understanding of the history and the fans and traditions and the club and the rivalry, you would almost say, well, they don't get it. We can understand why they've done it. These guys should know better. These guys are immersed in the club. They love the club. They're fans of the club that put millions of pounds into the club. I fail to see how it can go through every level from marketing and commercial to communication to executive board to PLC board and get the sign off and nobody say, Hold on a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, wait a minute. Yeah. This, this isn't going to go down. This isn't, isn't the right thing to, to do. Um, I said, every aspect of it, I don't agree with. Every, every point that somebody makes to say it shouldn't happen, I agree with. So I don't think the protest is the second half of the right way to go about it. But fans making their voice heard on this is the only way is the only way forward. The fans have to have to be heard. Um I think it does leave the board in a really tricky position now in terms of what they and what they do. They've painted themselves into a corner, uh, and I don't think there's a way they can get themselves out of it. Colin, I, I can understand why James Bisgrove has proposed this to the board. Um, he's there to make money for the club, but I can understand why he's then brought this forward. I can also kind of understand why the board have, have ran with it. Potentially, if you've got a likes of a Dave King on there. I think you'd have a strong no from from certain um, sections of the board. However, I can understand why they've they've gone with it because we've got to be forward thinking in our uh, money making. And you know, there's always been rumours in the past about taking the old firm abroad and taking it to a different market and potentially expanding our um, reputation in other countries and benefiting from that. The bit that we've let ourselves down in it is the lack of the narrative being managed by Rangers Football Club. We've allowed Celtic to manage the narrative of um, the Sydney Cup. Um, we've also allowed them to to leak it conveniently on certain days, and that's the biggest frustration for me. Um, that should have all been NDA'd in terms of um, release dates, 
press statements all been sent out in the same day. Advertising campaigns should have all been agreed in terms of um, how it's been titled, how it's been labelled, how it's been advertised in, in Australia. In our 150th anniversary, we should not be playing second fiddle, excuse the expression, um, to Celtic um, in, in, in our big year. I, I, I mean, I, I genuinely do think there's a, there's a time in history where this doesn't cause that much of an issue. I think you would get, you know, the more extreme supporters saying, oh, no, it's no for us, blah, blah, blah. But I think if this had happened maybe in the 90s under Murray, I think there's a, a, a larger section of the fan base are, are, are prepared to accept it. I think the main issue here is the last 10 years. You know, that how Celtic have sort of effectively tried to kill the club. You know, they, I mean, Celtic were very, very aggressive in, in their, their, their sort of views and, and all the rest of it around 2012. How they deal with us in general at the moment in terms of even when we turn up uh, for a game at Celtic Park, you know, they don't mention their names. You know, the stadium announcer won't mention their name. He only mentions the Rangers players by their surnames. You know, everything about it, you know, tweets saying we're not half of anything, you know, in terms of distancing themselves from the old firm but then wanting to package it and sell it to Australia. And, and again, the point that you made about the, the timing of, of, of the announcement, I think it's all of that. But the issue here, that's certainly what's, what's pissing me off. I'm, I'm, I would like to have seen what the reaction would have been 20 years ago. I don't know if it would have been the same at the moment as what it is just now. I think it's the last 10 years. I think the rivalry has got more bitter in, in, in the last 10 years. And I think that's the main issue. I think a lot of Rangers supporters feel that, that Celtic were more than willing to, 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 to kill us off at that point and, and I think that's the issue and and for, for the board the, the people that are on the board at the moment who were so instrumental in getting the club sort of back on its feet and where we are at the moment for them to be complicit in how how we got here and where we are now just seems utterly bizarre to me it, it, it just doesn't make, uh, make sense anyway however we'll, we'll move on and we'll, we'll see how that progresses uh, Chris I, I don't know if you were there yesterday at Ibrox for the, for the B game the, the Rangers oh, B nice. game uh, against Celtic uh, 3-0 win over 10,000 supporters I was actually a bit surprised I thought they might have got a wee bit more than that I must admit given you know it was a nice day and you know no other sort of you know the, the first team we're playing today mm-hmm. but a very good day attendance for a uh, a B game, 3 0 win. Uh, I wasn't there myself. My mate was there. He, he texted me during it within 10 minutes to kick off. And, and, and all he was doing was purring about Alex Lowry. He was just like, this boy is on another level. It was excellent. Uh, I took uh, my uh, girlfriend and my uh, stepdaughter. She went to her first game uh, yesterday um, and uh, thoroughly enjoyed it. So hopefully that's another another one in the Rangers family. I've done my, I've done my duty there. Um, Have you got a ticker for the Sydney Cup yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I don't think we'll be, I don't think we'll be jetting out, so doesn't actually have a family in Sydney, but uh, no, I'll not be, I might go for a family visit, but I'll not be attending the games with her, uh, <laughs> no, the, I, th- I thought the day as a, as a whole served its, served its purpose, the only thing I'm slightly disappointed, I thought they could have done more to make it an occasion for the kids, obviously great that they got in, they got to see Ibrox, but having, I was down at the, uh, the fan zone stuff they set up ahead of the uh, Aberdeen game and also the we five aside pitch set up they beat the goalie and Broxy was there doing pictures and music and that type of thing on I thought Rangers could have made more of a day of it yesterday and had like even if it's just as a Broxy can about out, outside before it and maybe had like a face painter or a couple of playstations or just like th- just things to keep the kids yeah. occupied almost like before the game give people an excuse to turn up 
an hour and a half before the game and spend a bit of time running about the stadium. When the, all, all the things they had up for the 150th game, just keep them there for another fortnight. I felt it was just a case of turn up, watch the game and go away, which for your normal punter, the likes of us, that's fine. But you're trying to get the kids into a frame of mind of it's a day <coughs> and there's, there's other things beside the football. At five, six, seven, they might not, they might like the game, but they might not sit yeah. for the whole. Actually, sit for the whole thing. I thought Rangers could maybe done a wee bit, a wee bit more um, in terms of just making it more of a, a day out and more of an occasion. Um, but in terms of the, the actual game itself, I thought it ticked, ticked all the boxes. A great experience for the FTB team to, to play in front of that crowd at Ibrox. Great experience for them to uh, to get the win over Celtic. Thoroughly deserved it. Really, really comfortable in the game. Um, I thought Weston was really impressive uh, and obviously Alex Lowry just stands out I, you could tell in the first couple of minutes he's, he was the best player on, on the pitch get touch he's got vision skill his goal was sublime um, and if, if he's not in the first team squad next season um, something has gone far wrong for someone somewhere because he's a type of boy you just have to put your faith in you just have to back him to develop how he looks like he's going to develop um, a type of player that's got a really a really bright future. It was good to see him yesterday. Um, and it's actually a bit of a shame that everything is so so hyped right now. It's hard to see where he actually gets more game time. It's yeah, maybe a big call to go and put him in. He's not going to go and start the next old fun game. Maybe a couple of the post split league games at Ibox, he gets 10, 15 minutes here and there. He really could benefit with a run. I think he'd really come on again with a run of games at at first team level, but that's uh, probably gonna have to wait until uh, wait until next season now. But uh, no, certainly ones that you certainly ones uh, the fans get really excited about. And sticking with yourself now, Chris, before I, I bring uh, Dougie in on this, the, the, the whole sort of experience uh, of Rangers and Celtic uh, playing in the B League. I mean, how how do you feel that's when? I, I, I was I was reading up on it today. Uh, I, I was kind of tuned in on it at the start because I, I do sort of I go to a lot of East of Scotland games, West of Scotland games. Uh, I think Bowness they're near me. They're in the Lowlands League. They've played against Rangers on the Celtic this season. I've kind of lost tabs with it a wee bit recently, uh, and I've noticed today that you know Bonnie Rig Rose are they're, they're running away with it. Uh, I think Rangers went ahead of Celtic yesterday because of that win. So how do you feel that that whole thing has worked? Because I've noticed today as well that, that I think the plan is for both clubs to go back into the Lowlands League next season. Do you think it's working? Because it was semi-controversial how they got in. You know, you know, I think it was a brown envelope with some cash and all the rest of it and, and then they went but do you think it's been a worthwhile experience do you think the players there are getting the benefit of playing at that level I've not actually this season but as a career season I've not seen as much of the youth teams and the B teams as I usually do I normally try and get to a few games over the course of the campaign for one reason or other it's just not it just not happened so I can't really judge progression of, of the players over the over the whole uh, course of the season I was sceptical about how big a benefit it would be at, at the start. If you look at some of the games, they're winning them really, really comfortably, taking five and six off teams. Is it that much of a challenge that is, is improving them? No firm clearly think there's there's something in it. If they want to stick with it for another year, I'm not convinced. I, I think if, if you're someone like Alec Lowry, you were always going to be in the first team squad or run about the first team squad this season because you're just that naturally gifted. You are the one or one of the ones that Rangers clearly have a bright future for. I don't think you can say that Lowry has got to where he's got to now because he's played in a team that's taken seven goals off Bonnie Rigg or Caledonian Braves or Selkirk or something. I'm not convinced that that game time has brought him on sufficiently to get him to where he is now. 
I think he was always going to get there anyway. He was, obviously, he was in the first team squad for the, the first pre-season game against Thistle uh, last summer when uh, Gerard was still there. They obviously knew then he had a bit of talent. And I think for your, your outstanding ones, the cream's always going to rise to the top anyway. And I think it'd be quite hard to judge the guys that maybe just a wee bit below him. Has it brought them on enough to make it worthwhile to go and, to go and do it again? It's probably not a, a one-season experiment. Maybe if they do it for two or three seasons, you might be able to say, yes, there is a, a tangible benefit to yeah. it. But right now, I'm, I still remain sceptical. I, I still remain uh, to be won over about the, uh, the benefits of the whole thing. What about yourself, again in, in terms of, you know, we discussed this in previous shows, I think, you know, the, the pros and cons of uh, uh, Rangers going into the, the Lowlands League. Do you think it's worked? You know, one thing I will say is there was this kind of notion that we were going to go in and I think the same we sort of felt with Celtic, you know, they'll go in and they'll dominate that league. I mean, that hasn't been the case, you know, they're not going to win the, the, the Lowlands League this season. I think they're sitting fourth or fifth Rangers and Celtic at the moment. So, Maybe there is a, an argument to say that they are benefiting from it. They're, they're, they're getting, you know, a, a good amount of sort of competitive challenge that they weren't getting previously. Uh, although, as, as as Chris has said, there he's he's kind of not convinced at the moment. Where do you sit in the whole thing? So I had to look at the Lowland League table before coming on. Um, we're sitting third at the moment on sixty four points behind East Kilbride, who are on sixty seven. Um, but we do have the two games in hand. As you mentioned earlier on, Bonnie Rig Rose um, look like they've got the, the league tied up there in 80 points. Um, I think we could do with a better quality of opposition on a regular basis, but I do think it's been a worthwhile experience and I think it's for two reasons. One is um, games like yesterday at Ibrooks is great for, for all the players to be familiarising themselves with our first team stadium. And the atmosphere, you know, it was only 10,000. I've seen a few comments in the chat around other other um, reserve games in the past, like Ian Durant's yeah. that took 30,000. Um, my dad's watching. I actually went to the Ian Durant. I think that was one of my very first games, actually, um, to that. And I think I just echo what Chris said around the, um, the younger games. That tends to be a lot of our younger supports' first games. Um, that and looking ahead to the Legends game, and I think when you look at our 150th game, I don't think the club done enough to, to make it a big event for the younger generation. And hopefully yesterday um, is a, um, a good exercise for the club to recognise that we potentially need to do more um, at the Legends game. But let's not talk about bringing face painters along. <coughs> I did, I did um, think that. I must admit that. There we go. But the, the, the other thing, Colin, is, you know, we're talking um, about the, the standard of opposition um, Juan Alegria was was competing with Tony Weston for the number nine jersey. We've seen him go out and loan, um, and he's gone to the championship at Partick Thistle. The whole purpose of being in the, the Lowland League was to have the guys playing against men um, in a more physical, demanding um, opposition. <coughs> Excuse me. The fact that we are loaning guys like Alegria out to Partick Thistle suggests that certain players need to be playing against tougher um better opposition because again one of the things that we'd spoken about before was the benefit of um, Rangers playing in um, a competitive league um, a competitive professional league is that um, the players get to remain at the club where they benefit from our facilities our coaches all that kind of protection and um, experience whilst they're getting the game time but 
I think certain players have benefited. Um, and I'm going to call out Lowry, obviously, but guys like King and McCann as well, because these three players have all featured under Geo in the first team. And typically they featured in um, the cup games, Aaron being the one I was going to call out. And I think when these players have been playing in the in the B team, they've obviously been playing against similar standards. They've also been playing in the cup games. Um, the <coughs> the Reserve Cup, I can't remember what it's called now, the equivalent of the Ramsons Cup. But they played against similar opposition at that level as well. And I think that's given a bit of confidence to these players. I don't think they're being stretched every week in terms of playing against tough opposition. But I think they'll have um, other underlying benefits. And I think one of those benefits will be the confidence that you are better than, than, than players at Aaron. No disrespect, but Alex Lowry is a humongous talent. And I think he strolled the likes of the Aaron game. And I think I think playing the Colts team is possibly giving him that confidence that he can make that step up. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I was hoping to get to a couple of Rangers B games this season, but it's not happened yet. There's still time. There's still plenty of time. Uh, but we'll see. But uh, it's, it's, it's an ongoing issue and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it again at some point in the future. Right, guys, final thing I wanted to, to talk about uh, before we wrap up for tonight uh, is April. <laughs> It's, it's looking it's looking a bit tasty Chris as it stands at the moment uh, we have Celtic on the 3rd St Murn on the 10th Braga home and away on the 7th and 14th the Scottish Cup semi-final against Celtic on the 17th uh, plus further post-split matches on the weekends on the 23rd and the 30th of April and not forgetting if we do get past Braga we will also have one part of the the, the semi-final on the 28th of April. Uh, so you're looking at what's that? One, two, three, four, eight games uh, I'm getting at the moment in, in April. Uh, it's fair to say it's it's going to be a heavy month uh, resource-wise. It's going to be a very heavy month resource-wise. Um, I don't think I'll be getting much time off in April. Put it that <laughs> no, it's, it's, one, it's one to look forward to. If you said at the start of the season, you're going to have a run in April, Potentially a European Cup semi-final first leg, an old firm semi in league games that mean so much in terms of the title race. You said I I'll bring it on. That's that's great. Um, no, it's it's set up to be. It's all it's it's one or bust almost, isn't it? It's uh, yeah. it's it's all almost all or nothing. I know Joe's been asked about it a couple of times, and he's he's played it down. But I think as the as the days uh, tick off and we get a bit closer to it. The narrative of, of all these of all these games is really just get ramp up. If if you are if you're scared by it, if you're daunted by it, if you don't fancy it, you're in the wrong place and you're supporting the wrong football team. Basically, that's that's why we're that's why we're all here. That's why those guys are in the dressing room. That's why Gio's the manager. Aimed it doesn't like it. Well, just don't bother turning up for your work. Yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, I, I think I think Chris has summed up there. I mean. The, the, the only time I can remember feeling like this going into April was 92, 93 when, you know, we, we had that great run in the Champions League and obviously 07, 08 when we were still competing on four fronts at, at, at this point. And it, it's true what, what Chris says here, it's, it's boom or bust. You know, it's high stakes, high wins, high losses. And as much as it's 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 daunting, that, that's what you want because if, if we've got all these games, it means we've, we're only a chance to silver at the end of the season. Definitely, Colin. And as a supporter, I love this. You know, I've, I've seen other people 
say that we'd rather we went out of the European stage oh, no. um, to focus on the league. I absolutely love the European nights and I wouldn't change a single thing. As I said earlier on, I think it was Tav that mentioned, um, if you're at a big club, you expect this level of fixtures. And it's, it's, um, it's a positive and it's a credit that we are we have such a busy period because it means that we are doing well. It means that we, we are in with a, a chance of making history because um, it would be a unique treble, albeit I've seen Barcelona absolutely scaled Real Madrid and El Clasico today. So they were, wearing, they, were both, they were both wearing their away kits. It's not a proper derby anymore. It'll be a tough final for us, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it as a supporter. Um, from, from the players' perspective, I think, I know you said earlier on about we kind of struggle um, with the, the hangover effect of the European games. I personally think we can be at our best sometimes, just bouncing from game to game, um, not thinking about the opposition, not overanalyzing training. And I'm kind of hoping that the mentality of every game in April is must win every game in April is huge, that actually that just gives the players that extra lift um, and gives them that kind of edge going into every game that we that we go in knowing that we have to win. And I tell you what, what an exciting month ahead. If we win every single game in April, we've got a chance of, of a historic season, which considering where we were at certain points this season, you know, somebody commented in one of my tweets earlier in the week around our um, Europa League journey to start with getting knocked out um, of the Champions League against Malmo um, in what was ultimately a, a poor two-legged games, um, to scraping through against Dallas Kerr, to starting the, the group stages with two defeats, to be in the quarter-final of the Europa League, looking at booking flights to Seville is just outstanding and, and it's exciting. It is, it's very exciting. It's, it's nerve-wracking. Like, today was nerve-wracking, I'm not going to deny that. There was long periods to today that was like, why did I do this to myself? It just, you know, it's, I'm pretty sure it's taken three months off my lifespan every week at the moment, but... I had a hairline at 12 minutes. <laughs> Don't even go there. Uh, <laughs> let's put it this way, the barber doesn't use the thinning scissors anymore. That's probably the kindest way I can put it. Uh, right, guys, I think we'll probably just wrap it up there, uh, covered everything. So a big thanks to Dougie, a big thanks to Chris for their contributions tonight. Great stuff, as always, from those guys. Uh, we'll... we'll, we'll, we'll I'm not sure if I've got a show next week because the new Rota isn't out and obviously it's international week. Doug will tell you about that. He's supporting Scotland for some reason, but we'll not talk about that. Uh, so we'll, we'll tell information about the if, if we've got a show next week through the week. There'll be no preview show, obviously, because there's no game to preview. So we'll be off the air for a, at least a week. Uh, so in the meantime, and until next week, uh, if you do get a show, get yourself onto the Jersnet website and forums at www.jersnet.co.uk. Guys, have a nice week and until next time, bye for now.